1149 in Pulaski, Virginia. Temperature is 34 degrees. Welcome to the Bearded Carcast. I am Mike Pacheco. He is Dave Friedman, and we are on I-77 southbound heading home after a two-game sweep by the Winthrop Eagles over the Radford Highlanders. So now four games remain in the Big South regular season, and now the Eagles, with three games, uh, with four games remaining, have a three-game lead over the second-place Radford Highlander team that they just beat, plus they have the tiebreaker, so things are looking good for the Eagles as they uh, get ready for the Big South Conference tournament in a couple of weeks, Dave. Is this the 100th episode of the Bearded Carcast? It can be. I feel like I... I... I feel like it's the hundredth episode, or pretty okay. close to it. Yeah, we could probably count it. Well, we could just who's gonna who's gonna check it? Well, here's the thing: should we just reminisce about our favorite bearded carcast? <laughs> this could be a clips episode. Um, you know, let's save that for sweeps. <laughs> Winthrop, um, yesterday, the uh, the first game of the two game series, it was a dominating effort. Radford is a terrific rebounding team and what they do best is they're gritty and tough and mean and angry and Winthrop took the fight to them Mm -hmm. and and Winthrop really kind of beat them at their own game. Today uh, the first half was a half I'd like to forget that I had to watch. It was You called it a, uh, what'd you call it? Tractor pull. Tractor pull. Yeah. I think Mark Prosser. Yeah, I think he came up with that. Yeah. May have termed that yeah. phrase. Now, in uh, back in the uh, back in my BC days, uh, early early before me, uh, me to pro when I was working with uh, Ted Sarandis. Teddy ball game. Teddy ball game. Uh, Teddy would have called this game a rock fight. Yeah, and that that that's yeah. what it was. The first half of the game. I mean, it was 22-18 Radford at halftime, but then Winthrop got it going. Hit seven second half threes. Led by as many as 10, got close at the end. Chuck Falden hit a huge three. But it it was one of those games that good teams find a way to win, and and that's always a good sign. Now, you said that, you know, Winthrop's in good shape. They're going to win the regular season title. And I think, you know, we came up here, and if they won one out of two, you're going to control your own destiny with four to play. Now you've got a three-game lead plus the tiebreaker with four to go. It's done. But what does that mean? I mean, it it might guarantee you a trip to the NIT, though I think there is no guarantee. In fact, I think it's unlikely there's going to be an NIT. It means you get to host every conference tournament game, but we don't know whether there's going to be any attendance at any of the conference tournament games. I, I mean, like, for you and I, certainly would rather play in Rock Hill, not have to drive a long way. Well, to... but, but we do know um, that Winthrop's first game, regardless of whether they were the first or second seed, was going to be at home. Yeah, and now because of the change in the format of, uh, you know, they're not doing highest seed hosts the quarters and the semis. Yeah, they... I mean, they were going to already host the quarters and the semis, regardless. Right. And now, if they're in the championship game they'll host the championship game. But there are no neutral site games with the format because of COVID. So they will host someone in the quarters, and if they win, somebody else in the semis, and if they win, someone else in the championship game. There's going to be time, likely, between games, so it's not going to be enormous, like, no rest back-to-back days in all likelihood. But that being said, you know, take every advantage you can get. Well, and... You know, you want to be playing your best basketball now, heading into the conference tournament. Especially, you know, every team that's in the upper half, you know, or maybe even the top three or four spots in the league, you know, thinks they have a shot. Well, and that brings up a really good point. So, before these two games against Radford, Winthrop was coming off their first loss. Right. But it was two weeks ago. Yeah. They they lost at home to UNC Asheville by a point or two in, in a game actually that kind of resembled this tonight's one. game. So low scoring and no transition and no flow, and they couldn't shoot. Tonight in the second half, they, they got the shooting going a little bit. But, but then they were off two weeks. Coach Kelsey's record is absurd with more than a week off. It's like 11-1 and one or 12-1 and one or something like that. And... With all that rest, yesterday 
they punked Radford. Today they come back and they win that that rock fighter tractor pull. But yeah, I remember our, the season was front loaded, right? Just because of the way things happened, and there were a couple of series that got they pushed got moved up. around and pushed up. So uh, you know, winter. I think they needed this break. To be honest with you. I mean, they couldn't keep playing ten games in yeah. in twenty two days. Right. It had to. It had to come back to balance itself out. That being said, I don't know if you want two weeks no, off. That's no, right. that's a long yeah, time. But long time. they certainly looked fresh and ready to go yesterday. They did enough to win today. And you're going to win the regular season title. All of that is great. People that are listening to this podcast, and, and I recognize it might not be hundreds of thousands, what? but... But for the tens of thousands, yes, um, they they know what happened in the games. They they right. likely watched or listened. listened to them. But what they don't necessarily know is, from a broadcasting standpoint, a couple of I don't know if extraordinary is too strong a word, but a couple of odd instances took place. We were pretty well prepared both. Now we're the, revealing how the sausage is made here a little bit. It's true. Mm-hmm. It's true. No, it's but, good, but we like to inform our viewers or well, listeners. The, the, the podcast is kind of inside the lines. It's it's inside baseball to yeah. a degree. So so yeah. Um, well, and I think to, to set this up, if I may, to help set you up, I think it's important for people to know that uh, when you watch a game on television. <clears throat> It sounds different than sometimes it is on radio. Now, the old school radio, uh, and even some big time institutions, uh, just hang a microphone out to get the ambient sound, the the crowd noise we call it, right? It's an effects feed. Uh, so, with the advent of technology, uh, you know, when I was with the Red Sox and when I was with doing BC games, you know, I was trained to ask when there was a TV game, because not all the games are on TV, um, that you get what's called the effects feed, which is, you know, the mics are all, the rims are all mic'd up, and there's mics on the floor. Football games, they have these big, you see the guys on the sidelines with the parabolic mics. So, uh, that's an important element to the broadcast. The audio on a television broadcast, if it's a high-end broadcast, and if it's done well, is thousands of dollars worth of microphones and people to set those microphones up and operate them. It's a high-budget, high-end enterprise. And if you, as the radio person, has an opportunity to plug into that, by God, why wouldn't you want that that better sound, that, that full feel of the game, the the sneakers on the court, the rim as the ball bounces off of it, just as much of that natural sound as you can get. And I I used to have a friend who would occasionally listen to games wherever I was working, whether it was at the University of Vermont or at Radford where I worked for one year doing women's games or, or at Winthrop. And he, he would listen to games, and once in a blue moon, he would text me and goes, you have an effects feed. Yeah. Like, you can tell. Like, not necessarily if you're just kind of a casual fan, but to you and I, if we're listening to a game, and you can hear the ball bouncing off the rim, I automatically know, oh, this is this is good. They're really working. They're, they're checking all the boxes. And if I'm watching an NBA game or listening to an NBA game or, or an ACC game and they don't have that right or wrong, I think to myself, was the engineer a little bit lazy here? Yeah. Like, that's something that you could do that would make the broadcast sound better. Yes. So, we had watched several of the Radford television broadcasts. Yes. And I had noted to you that you know documentary. I thought their effects feed on the TV broadcast sounded really good. I thought the right. rims sounded really good. And you said to me, hey, why don't you email Rick Watson? He's the longtime 
radio guy at Radford and someone who I worked with my one year that I worked with Radford, uh, email Rick and, and just tell him, you know, we want an effects feed and ask him, you know, how feasible that's going to be. Because in COVID times, our broadcast positions are very different than what we're used to. Yeah. So I emailed Rick and Rick put me in touch with their kind of uh, video uh, guy, the, the guy in charge of their ESPN3 in-house broadcast or ESPN Plus in-house broadcast. And I got an email back that said, yeah, we can do it, but you're on the other side of the court and we're going to need, you know, probably 300 to 400 feet of mic cable yes. in order to connect. And, and I don't know what you thought when when they said that, but in my head... In your was, head, you thought you had it. Yeah, I thought... Yeah. I thought you did too. Uh, how much cord do I do I bring with us to every game? And I'm kind of doing some rough math, and I'm like, we know yeah, the answer to that now. <laughs> I probably have something close to that, but but now I think I estimated you had close to 300. Right, but now like going back and thinking about it, why on God's green earth would we bring that much mic cable to a game? I mean, you, you know, normally we're using. 50 feet, 75 feet. Like, why would we ever need that much? Well, uh, let me tell you the short answer, which is going to be a really long answer. You and I have a very similar philosophy when it comes to uh, our engineering of these games because people may not understand. Like, we we don't have people that engineer games. Like, we do it. Uh, And, of course, I have a little bit of... Which, by the way, I take pride in. Yeah. Like, if you work in the NBA... You work in a major, big, power five college. There's someone that is your audio guy and your engineer. You show up, you put on the headset, you prepare for the game, you broadcast the game, then you leave. I like knowing all of the, like, why does it sound like this and, and how do I make it sound different and mixing the audio. And, like, if you've got a good engineer, phenomenal. Right. But if you have someone that's kind of given a half-hearted effort to it, right, right. you're better off doing it yourself. Right, right, right. And we're kindred spirits because we believe in having backups and backups to the backups and then having tertiary backups to the backups to the backups. It's a lot like how I prepare for a game. It's my chart. I believe you should be prepared for anything and everything, and that's why we bring... 10 times more radio equipment than we need because is, if we run into a problem yeah yeah so uh, so I just along the way and we've been doing this I guess 15 years now we've, we've you know well we had stuff to begin with and you know through working with Winthrop and just doing our own stuff we've accumulated you know more and more you know pieces of equipment and whatnot. but it reminds me the, so the, the 400 cable, cable pull 400 400 yard or 400 feet reminds me of when I was with the Red Sox and we had a I forget I think it was like they were re-signing Mo Vaughn or something like that and they were they were having a press conference on the third base side um, down the third base line there was like this old room that was kind of like an entertaining room as far as like I think they would bring clients down there before games or some people that had certain seats could go down there I mean it was all the way down the third base line and tucked away in the back so I get this text uh, from one of the guys I work with and said, hey, you know, you have to, you know, what time are you planning to be in the ballpark? I said, well, I was going to be there at 3. So we'll get there at 2. There's this press conference, and we need you to, uh, we want to air it live on WEI. So like, how much mic cable do you have? I said, well, I got a lot. I, you know, I should have enough. Okay. Did you know how you're going to do it? And I was like, I was thinking about it on the fly. I'm like, well, yeah. I mean, I, I can... Um, I, we had a position in the third base, uh, the, the, the visiting clubhouse, which is on the third base side. The, in the back of the locker room, which actually butted up against the uh, concourse, there was a doorway. I mean, that doorway was never open to the public. You know, they would use it during the day. To right. Stuff. right. So I said, wait a minute. 
our it's called the dry pair. So the dry pair that we use for guests is next to this door. So I could like, you know, just crack the door open a little bit and run it all the way down. Yep. And I didn't like this. I didn't know how much I had. It ended up, I think, being like 200 feet or something like that. So they're like, and I won't get into the the personalities and the people involved, but you know, they were kind of like, oh wow, you know, kind of gruff about it, whatever. So. So I accomplish it. We get on the air with like five minutes to spare. And, and I think it's like a Herculean effort. Yeah. So then I get a text. And I had to go back upstairs because I had my, my regular stuff to do. So it's a frantic test. It's like, hey, uh, like we lost the feed. And I'm like, all right, I'll, I'll troubleshoot it. You know, so I got on troubleshoot it. So in the after action stuff, they're like, well, you know, you really should have, you know, that shouldn't have happened. And I said, wait a minute. We were lucky enough just to get this damn thing on the air. <laughs> You know, because I did what we did. I mean, I probably had like ten. In fact, well, I, that, think, I think two of those brown cables that we used tonight were in that. <laughs> well, that—that's the kicker. So we bought a hundred-foot cable on Wednesday just in case we didn't have enough. And after we started, it's not like so we needed to go about four hundred feet. It's not like we had four 100-foot right. Well, well you wouldn't need that. Right. You, wouldn't, you, you so rarely... Not in basketball. Football, you actually could get away with carrying that. Right. But I think in the end, we had roughly two 100-foot cables yeah. and 10 20-foot cables. Right. So and we, I had five of those. Right. Just happened to have five of them with you. Yeah. So we, we strung together. Well, I didn't just happen to. I, like, yes. I, yeah, I, you brought them purposely. Just in case, yeah. And you often bring, maybe not that many, but a bunch of them with you. But we strung together 12 cables to get from our broadcast position all the way across the concourse to where we were plugging in to get this effects feed. Now, so Radford is a weird, it's like a, it's probably, what was that built like in the 60s or 70s? Yeah. All right, so it's the, called the Deadman Center. It was, um, what do you call it? It was one of those, like, air suspension... Yeah, I mean, it was a mini carrier dome right. once upon a time. Right. It had a air-supported roof. They got rid of that maybe 10, 12 years ago. But it looked to me like... Um, and this is more for my Northeast friends. I, I don't know if there's indoor tracks all over the place, but it looked to me like an indoor track you would see in, in the Boston area at some of the high schools. It, yep. It's very long... Um, now, the difference being with the Deadman Center is instead of the track being on the floor, they actually had a track uh, that would kind of run on the concourse above, yeah, so deck, there's, above the seats. Exactly. So there's a court down at the bottom, and then there's a con, there, there's the seating bowl, which is, you know, 25 or 30 rows on each side. And then at the top of the seating bowl, there's a track. Right. And then they have port, in normal times, they have portable bleachers. On both end zones, right, uh, and then on one side, they actually uh, set up like a practice court that uh, they can do, like women's basketball can practice if men's basketball is using the floor, vice versa, or volleyball can practice. So it's it's a good multi-use facility, right? But because of COVID, the broadcasts, whether it be TV or radio, is on the track up on the concourse above the seats, right. And then we had to string our cables all the way around the track. And what do you think? Worthwhile? Oh, yeah. I mean, and their effects, I got to give them credit. Their effects sound fantastic. Yeah, Phenomenal. The, the mics are good. And that's like the ping when the basketball hits the rim. It's the squeak of the sneakers. I mean, it legitimately took, I'm going to say, an hour or an hour and a half to set that up and then probably half an hour to put it back together. Yeah. But uh, to me, the sound, the quality, it just makes the broadcast so much better. I had a friend of mine tell me once that he'd never put together a resume tape, a demo tape that didn't have an effects feed. It's just like it just sounds so much better. It makes you sound better. Well, and it, what it does is, it's remember, this is radio, so it's theater of the mind. If people hear, whether you're at a football game, a baseball game, 
Well, that's why for, for Red Sox baseball, uh, we worked it out with the TV stations that we would get the um, from Channel 12. Well, back then it was Channel 38 and Nesson. Now it's just Nesson. But we worked it out that, you know, no matter who was producing it, we would get an effects feed, which means you'd hear the crack of the bat, you'd hear yeah. the, the ball hitting the mitt, you know. Um, you know, now it's, you know, you know, that was a long time ago when I was doing that, but you know, now they actually like mic up the bases, and you know, you can hear the sliding. On it. it wasn't that intricate, but the point is, it gives you the feeling like you're actually in that space. You know, and if you closed your eyes, you're listening to the announcer, and you hear that ambient, you know, natural sound in the background, you could almost picture yourself sitting in the stands. This is the Bearded Cardcast. That's Mike Pacheco. I'm Dave Friedman. You can send us an email, beardedcardcast at outlook.com. You can touch base with us on social media, and we appreciate you listening. That story, stringing 400 feet of cable, That's not all. might not be the best story of the two trips from a broadcasting perspective. And I, we should note... It, it, we actually, we pulled off a bearded car cast slash Winthrop Sports Network, Dave and Mike, first. We, but but I, I, I do think it's worth noting, for those that didn't listen to the broadcast, we talk about this on the air. Yeah. Like, when the ball hits the rim, we may allude to our 400 feet yeah, of cable. Yeah, yeah. I could imagine someone saying that that is not fully professional, but I think that is being fully transparent and bringing the audience in to be kind of a piece of the broadcast. And if it is supposed to be conversational and it's supposed to be a group of friends watching the game, talking ball, now you have a feel for what we have done to get ready for the broadcast. Yeah, because it's not, it it sounds, it sounds a lot easier and simpler than than it really is. So, this season has been a very unique one. We have conducted almost all of our interviews with coaches and players on Zoom. And there have been there have been some exceptions, but, but mostly they've been on Zoom. We we've had a couple of venues where we've been able to Well, set we up. had the we had the one um, a couple times at home. We've had the interviews right. where where Pat is like 40 feet away from us and it's like it's like he's like on a boat just off the pier, and you're like yelling over to them. <laughs> right, exactly. Um, but he's on a microphone. I shouldn't. It's, yeah, he's yeah. on a microphone, and we're on microphones. But the only way he can hear us, because we're hearing it through the headset, is to. But it's also speak an empty stadium enough. at that point. It's not like they're not playing music, so. And the, we're not soft talking people. No, no. Well, you certainly are not. What? What? So. We conduct all these interviews on Zoom, and the audio quality is, I, I think it would be fairly be called acceptable. It's not great, but it's all right. Yeah. And Coach Kelsey, and particularly the Hold players, on a minute. Let me, let me back up for a second. It's acceptable because it's become a norm. And yeah. I don't mean I don't, and I don't necessarily mean on a on a broadcast norm. I mean, it's just what people become used to doing and used to hearing. And so, when you watch the nightly news or you're watching, you know, whatever you know, cable news or whatever, any news program, anytime they're doing an interview, now it's through Zoom, and that's the same type of audio that we're getting. So, what might have been unacceptable a year ago or, or a year and a half ago is now almost common practice. And not that it's that terrible, but it, it's. To the purists or people that really have an ear for this, it does sound different. I mean, I always listen to our interviews back and kind of shake my head. It's not crisp and perfectly clear, but we're not living in a perfect world right now. Right. And, and you know, the, the alternative of not doing interviews or right. having fewer interviews... I don't. I think that robs the audience. I mean, I want to have player sound. I want to have coach sound, and I want to have someone from the visiting team, or not the visiting team, the not Winthrop team, the the, the opponent, yeah. every game because I think that's you know if you're going to set the scene, right. you need to hear from a player, yeah. you need to hear from the coach, right. you need to hear from the other team. That those are the the parties involved. Well, on something that my wife said. Um, you know, one thing she appreciated about the NFL and, you know, eventually the Super Bowl was 
and, and you know we've we've got a lot going on in our house um you know with the reconstruction and stuff like that so i mean it's almost done but you know we've had that and you know john's been sometimes in school sometimes he's, he's virtual because of covid but she said that she appreciated the, the nfl because it, it, it gave her you know three or four hours five hours watching different games on the direct tv of of just feeling like a normal and and i think yeah that's kind of the responsibility too and i don't know that we've thought of it necessarily that way but the end result is you know we're trying to present the product as much as as close to normal what we've done in the past so the players and the coaches have been really good about giving us time and setting up time to to talk on zoom and Zach Friesman, who is Winthrop's Director of Basketball Operations, has kind of turned into a pseudo-sports information director yeah. for us. I mean, oh, he's like an everyman. Yeah, he's a jack-of-all-trades. He does everything, and he has, like, the most thankless job in the entire world. Like, if something goes wrong, it's Zach's fault, but he never gets credit for doing anything. And, and that's that's the role of Adobo everywhere. But because of the pandemic... We need access to players, and, and sometimes, you know, we don't have a sports information director on the road with the team, so Zach helps us coordinate. And getting players is relatively easy. A, you're not bothering the same person over and over again, and B, you kind of generally know what their time looks like. They're either practicing or eating a meal, sleeping or at a game or the rest of the time they're they're mostly available. There might be some study halls and things like that, but but the, their time is pretty well understood as this time they're open and this time they're not open. Getting coach Kelsey can be more difficult not regularly, but with this year's schedule they play these back-to-backs and that means you play one game at six o'clock and then the next night you're playing again at six o'clock and he's up all night watching yeah. film and making adjustments and there's just not a lot of open free time so at times we have after the first game of the back-to-back gotten him late that night so if it's a Friday Saturday situation maybe we'll get him at like 11 p.m. Friday for the pregame interview for Saturday and then sometimes we get him like the next morning sometimes we get him a few hours before tip-off but today was different yeah today was different um you know so on this trip, we did an up. Dave and I did an up and back. The team stayed in Radford, uh, or Black, probably Black. I forget where they. Stayed. I don't even know where they stayed, but they stayed somewhere in the New River at an undisclosed location in the New River Valley. And uh, so, it, just trying to get up with with Pat and with Zach, trying to coordinate a time, uh, it was kind of challenging. And of course, we completely understand. I mean, it's you know, it's work, and for them, that you know, this is um, and the amount of something time. nice that they do. Absolutely. This is not the, their primary occupation right, being interviewed right, right. on not, Zoom by us. It's not like when they're coordinating their schedule every day, they say, okay, when are we going to talk to Dave and Mike? Yeah, the RGs. The when RGs. are we going to get to them? So anyway, long story short, so we kind of felt like we had a loose time of maybe um, on the bus or hopefully... Well, we, we had when, less time than you normally would yeah. because we were traveling. Right, so right. We, we couldn't talk last night because we got home at... 12.30 or 1 yeah. o'clock or something last night, and we couldn't talk for several hours today because we were driving back to Radford. That's correct. So we didn't get him in the morning. We did not get him in the morning, and so, and we kind of had a drop-dead date of, or drop-dead time of like, I think it was 1 o'clock where if it's not before 1 o'clock, then maybe we'll get it afterwards. So anyway, long story short, we're texting with Zach and with Coach, and uh, he's like, hey, I can do it right now. And it was probably about, I don't know, 2.30 in the afternoon, and we were uh, probably, I don't know, 30 minutes north of Statesville, North Carolina on 77. And so we get this text that says, hey, I, you know, guys, I can do it right now. And so Dave and I looked at each other and uh, Dave's like, well, what do you think? He's like, you know, I said, well, 
I said, we have the Zoom recorder, which is how we record this podcast. And for the audio freaks out there, uh, or people that are interested in this, a Zoom recorder basically has um, five inputs. It has four mic inputs that you can plug just regular mic cables into. And then it has another attachment that you can do a bunch of different mics. Uh, but one allows you to plug into... Um, like a device, like so you could plug into a CD player or you could plug into an iPad. And we also had a, a Verizon little um, MiFi hub. So I said, well, Dave, you know, theoretically, I said I could zoom through my iPad. Uh, I can set up a microphone through the zoom so that it can record your side of the conversation. The iPad will only give us Pat's side of the conversation. So that way the zoom recorder can merge the two tracks together so that it's a seamless uh, track that we can play back on the radio. And then, uh, with the MiFi, uh, we can actually call, you know, Pat can call in with the Zoom. I am very much hoping that you will, when we put this podcast Oh, no, the, the, together, the, the picture of that is going to be the picture of the podcast. It's got to be. Yeah. It is... It, <laughs> There's a microphone coming out of the steering wheel. <laughs> Coach Kelsey on, on the iPad. an iPad. I mean, Mike essentially took the muffler from the car, <laughs> a tree trunk, right. and the sign for the it's a big red Best Western Plus. It's some big red, and and found a way to make it work. It is. It, <laughs> I, I don't mean to toot our own horn, and by that I toot, mean toot. specifically yours. I yeah. just, I can't think that there's another broadcast team in the country that would have made this work on the side of the road in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, well, we did. But, a wise man once said, you're very good technically. Good North Carolina. It is our raining. Virginia portion of our bearded <laughs> car cast is over. Yeah, I mean we're probably what twenty-five miles from where we recorded the Zoom. Oh no, yeah, have? probably. Yeah. Somewhere. I thought you could say we're twenty-five miles from Charlotte. No, Fred, we got yeah, ways to go. No, we we're, get not, to we're not there. <laughs> we probably got another ninety miles. We're definitely not there. Um. So, throughout the year. We talked about the NFL. Right. Last weekend was the Super Bowl. Um, a man that I referred to with some frequency is the yeah. decaying carcass yeah, of the decaying carcass Tom Brady. Won the but what's Super funny Bowl. is, both uh, before, uh, I would say, not before, I'd say both uh, between November End of November when they went on that winning streak. To after the Super Bowl, you were, you, I would say that you were incorrect. Uh, however, well, yeah, there was a period. Well, that hold I, on, hold on, hold on. However, he kind of looked like a decaying carcass when he got off the boat after the Super Bowl. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> wow. there are a lot of words he did not have his that sea describe legs. inebriated, yeah. but to me, of all of them. Banged up. He looked banged up. Like, did you hear the uh, Doctor Seuss book version of that? I don't know. A goat on a boat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, whoo. He was banged up. <laughs> it, it is. What are you thinking if you're Aaron Rodgers? The the Patriots let Tom Brady go, or Tom Brady decides that. His time in New England is over. He's got a better chance to win somewhere else. I don't think it was a better chance to win necessarily. I think it was just to to see what was what life was like outside of New England. Maybe that's what it was. And Tampa Bay just goes all in. Just we don't worry about the salary cap this year, the in the future. We don't worry about. We're, we're just gonna. Put together the best team we put. Meanwhile, Green Bay is drafting a quarterback they might use mm. two years from now to replace Aaron Rodgers. And 
never has good wide receivers. And like, to me, this is the year and this is the offseason that the NFL turns into the NBA. The NBA, they always talk about you have a window and you go all in and you make that trade and you trade future draft picks and you have the superstars and you go for it now. I think that's what's about to happen. Well, with, Brady brought Gronk with him. Antonio yeah. Brown. And Leonard Fournette. And Leonard Fournette. Yeah. And And they, they, they made a bunch of win now, don't worry about the future moves. The Rams just did that trading for Matthew Stafford. They're, they're in win now superstar mode. It would not surprise me at all if some team, maybe San Francisco, maybe Miami, does it with Deshaun Watson. Right. I mean, the price of him, you and I have talked about this, is going to be substantial. But don't worry about five years from now. Worry about right now. And and Deshaun Watson is another example of in the NBA, the players run the league. When a guy asks for a trade, he makes the call. It's a player-focused league. The NFL has never been that before, but I think we're about to see that take place. Well, speaking about the Texans, I mean, letting J.J. Watt go today. Well, I, I mean, he might not be the player he was, you know, three, four years ago. He's never plays. Yeah. He's never on the field. When J.J. Watt is in uniform, he is terrific. But, and somebody's going to get him probably at a good price. And if he stays healthy, he'll be great. Yeah. But he's never on the field. Should we go into the uh, Big South newsroom? Let's go into the Big South newsroom, Mike. Thank you, Dave. According to Ed Werder from NFL Sources, approximately a dozen teams have shown interest in J.J. Watt since he became an immediate yeah, unrestricted I mean, Dave? Mike? Yeah, a, a, guy, a guy with that talent, I mean, there's going to be interest. But I don't know how much you can pay him at this point because what if he doesn't play? But don't you think he's the – and I'm not saying he's going to go to New England, but don't you think he's the classic I'll take less money to go for a team that I think can win? Maybe. I, I, I don't know. So I mean, that's it's a possibility. I don't know why we would believe New England right now can win. I don't think I said that. Oh, you did? No, I mean, I don't think I said... I don't think I intimated that J.J. Watt was the missing piece between New England. Oh, so you think J.J. Watt might go to another situation I'm saying that like mimics what the Patriots have yes. been for well, I mean, so long. I mean, you never know. That could be a, you know, New England move. But, you know, some, I forget who said this, and it was an interesting point, right? But... You know, where all these guys take, you know, maybe maybe in the early years it was more Patriots and Bill Belichick, right? But in later years, was it more people just wanted to play with Tom Brady? Yeah. I mean, particularly offensive players. Yeah. What did you make of the halftime show? I thought it was very artistic. Uh, I liked the music. Um, now, it wasn't... It wasn't... Uh, I don't know that it was necessarily programmed for my age group. However, uh, I thought it was fine. I didn't. I you know I thought it was artistic. It was, it was well thought out. Um, I think sometimes the problem people have is when they don't like something uh, because it's different or it's strange. Like to me, that says more about you than it does about the person who's trying to do something. It was different. It was, you know, I, I mean, my funny. I thought it was funny. No one else really said anything. But uh, are you familiar with the show Doctor Who? I've heard of it. Does okay. that count? Yeah. Well, you're not going to get this either, then. But it, it looked to me like um, like all the dancers that had, uh, you know, it looked like they had the surgical face wraps. It, it looked really more like that they had underwear on their face. But I think it was supposed to be like masks because his his I guess his new album is, is is part of it is about the how people in Hollywood and, and, and celebrity are changing their faces to. Uh, you know, changing their appearance to, to look different, and uh, but it looked to me like it was an episode of Doctor Who with um, all the all the people out there. I thought it wasn't good enough. You didn't think it was the good Super enough. Bowl halftime show since the early 
Jones has largely been U2, Bruce Springsteen, Michael Jackson, uh, Coldplay, Prince. He's not that. Right, but I think it goes back to all those people and when they were when they were on for the most part yes it was maybe designed to be a broader audience but I think I think they're being more strategic and again it wasn't I think it was to appeal to people that were you know 40 and under I think it was um, a pandemic they didn't want to have a million guest stars I think they probably got turned down by several people and I think it was yeah you appeal to a different demographic and this is a good time to do that when ratings are going to be down and we're not going to be able to get the but you know people who listen to music Dave like they know his music like they understand who he is like like I, I knew almost all his songs well, I'm not suggesting that's not the case, but no one would compare like him they, they to pull... Taylor Swift. Those are different leagues. Yeah. No one would compare him to Beyonce or Prince or U2. Do you have a thought on who would have been a better uh, a better fit? A, a better. Well, I mean, I think Taylor Swift is the biggest name that hasn't right. done it, and my guess is she's not interested in doing it. But that, that's the obvious one. I, I personally think that if you can't come up with someone better than Bruno Mars, Bruno Mars should do it. Like, I think Bruno Mars should do it like every third or fourth or fifth mm. years. He's incredible. Yeah, he was good. I, I Like, he's the one guy that's done it recently that I don't think I've heard anyone complain about. Mm. Well, I mean, it is... There, there is an element to that though right I mean how many times have there been shows where there's been no criticism I mean usually there's somebody has a beef with someone they've chosen and whether it's the performance or the artist or some combination of the two so you mentioned underwear yes what about the streaker <laughs> you know I didn't expect it in the pandemic to be honest with you uh, now here's the thing have you heard the backstory on it no, I have not. I don't know if this is 100% true or mostly true right. or maybe completely right. made up, but supposedly... Do, that, we the, do we need the legal disclaimer from our lawyers? The story Dave's about to tell is not a representation of... I, this is my understanding. Yeah. There were two guys involved in it. Okay. And they had placed a very substantial wager... <laughs> on would there be a streaker at the Super Bowl? And so they made sure there was. <laughs> they, they were... They, now, do they get to collect on the bet if they do that? Well, that's the question. Supposedly, though, they were in it to win, like, 75 large. Wow. And they got arrested and fined $1,000. <laughs> I mean... No, what, I, you can't... You can't. I don't think that's... Eth- well, I don't know about legal, but I think ethically... You can't put a wager that there's going to be a streaker in the Super Bowl and then you become the streaker in the Super Bowl. I think it's absolutely brilliant. Like, if someone is stupid enough to book that bet, yeah. A, I think they're obliged to pay it out because it didn't say, will there be a streaker that right. is not you? Yeah, yeah, that's it, okay. It, it didn't yeah. say, you know, you're not allowed to to do this in order to cash and, and, and for those two enterprising guys I, hey that, that that's a heck of a way to earn I mean did I ever tell you the story about uh, Steve Zabin when he was here in Charlotte I don't know so Steve Zabin was uh, on a show called uh, Zabin and Penner with Sandy Penner yep Sandy's a former Syracuse yep. guy so uh they became uh, disenfranchised with the local newspaper, the Charlotte Observer. And uh, one day in our pre-show meeting, I don't know, I forget if it was, it was probably was Zabin. But, you know, leading up to it, like day after day, it'd be coming in. It was like, I was reading the newspaper and there was this mistake. And 
you know, the next day be like, the box score was wrong. And then they didn't have a, you know, a period after the sentence in this story. And finally, um, and I think it was because someone had seen a story about DiMaggio's hitting streak, Zabin came up with the idea of, why don't we start counting the mistakes in the Observer and see if it beats the 56-game hitting streak by DiMaggio. <laughs> so, um, long story short, um, they were getting nervous. Both sides were getting nervous. The Observer was getting nervous because it was putting a lot of heat on the, the ed- editorial staff you know, because it made them look silly that they couldn't put out a newspaper without any mistakes. The sports page. And then on the Zabin and Penner side, they were getting more nervous that uh, there was not going to be a... They might not make a mistake. Right. So, I forget what name they used. They, they put in a... Uh, they put in a fake... Uh, oh, letter to the editor? No, better than that. Um, they put in a fake... Uh, like The Observer used to put in holes in one, if you did a hole in one on a golf course. Oh. So they did like Randy... Center or Sandy Renner, they. Ah, oh, they, they, they. I got. They, they put in a, a, a. Now it ended up that while that did run, that we found that one first, but there was actually another mistake, so we didn't have to rely on that. But the observer was so pissed off that they planted a mistake. Yeah, I would be too. Yeah, I would be too. Uh, speaking of the observer, which is owned by McClatchy. Well, McClatchy doesn't own it anymore, right? Didn't they sell it to? Um, some like hedge fund or something or I think McClatchy is owned by still a own hedge it? fund yeah but but it's a McClatchy paper yeah. the absolute strongest recommendation possible for Brett oh, McCormick's yeah. podcast that is out now called The Return Man it is phenomenal Brett is our former colleague Brett covered Winthrop basketball for the Rock Hill Herald. He has since moved on to the Sports Business Daily. Is that what it's called? Uh, Sports Business Journal. Sports Business Journal. Which is actually it's a national publication but it is uh, headquartered in Charlotte. And and Brett does really good work. He's very, very creative and... uh, He's really good with new technology. He is very good with new technology. But uh, he I guess he he wrote he, he researched and wrote these series of articles um, when he was still at at the Herald and now has since moved but they, they hadn't got the podcast out yet and he voices it and it's a story of a guy from the wrong side of the train tracks in Lancaster, South Carolina which isn't far from Rock Hill and he uh He's the big success of the city. He becomes an NFL star, and his demise is swift and filled with controversy. And I think it's a six-part podcast, about a half hour each, and each uh, each Tuesday a new episode is released. I, I, I am telling you, it's as good a journalism as you're going to find. It is absolutely fantastic. Yeah, it sounds great. I have not uh, listened to it yet, but I plan on doing it. Great storytelling, great detail. If you like NPR-type stuff, good Nat sound and archived footage, it it is is really, really good. Like anything else. We should do a bearded car cast sometime that has like an NPR feel to it. Yeah, I like that idea. You know, like 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 get like a, a microphone on the windshield wipers. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I like it. Um, I think that's it. That's it. That's all we got tonight. We'll talk to you on our way home from High Point next week. Winthrop's 18-1, and one, and uh, I, I mean, I guess we had this talk 15 years ago. If they were to run the table and lose in the Big South Championship game, is there any chance they can get in that large berth? <sighs> I mean, I think I'd have to see, and that sounds like a hedge, and I hate it. I, I, I don't know. I, I, my guess right now is probably not. And that's that one, my guess too, because as but much they as didn't, they don't have a win against a Power Five team, right? I mean, their best win, and that's not their fault. They didn't have the opportunity to play a Power Five team, right? I mean, 
beating Furman is good. Beating UNC Greensboro is good. Beating Little Rock is good. Beating the best Big South teams is, is good. And I will say this, Dave, and I know this shouldn't necessarily um, play a factor, but maybe it does. You know, with maybe some of the Blue Bloods having down years. I mean, someone has to fill out the bracket. I just have a hard time imagining the Big South, which is Getting rated... Getting yeah. Yeah, exactly. Among the bottom five or six, eight conferences in the country is going to get multiple bids. And, and the tournament committee doesn't think like this, but, you know, if they went in with, like, two losses, even though one of them's in the conference tournament, I mean, there's still a great story. Yeah. I mean, what if they win the final four regular right? I mean, season so, yeah, games? Yeah, we've got four regular season games. So let's so six. So what are they now? 17 and one. Yeah, I mean, you could be talking about a, a twenty-three and two team. Exactly. It would certainly make things interesting. I don't think it's particularly likely, but uh, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility. But I think I things would have to. I think things would have to hit the right way. Yeah, I mean, you would need you know teams like Belmont and Gonzaga to win their conference tournaments so that somebody else doesn't steal bids. I mean, right. at that point, you would be cheering for all of the big favorites to win right. their league. Right. You want all chocolate, apparently. Right. Uh, yeah. Because then they're extra at-large spots to be had. If uh, if Loyola Marymount or Pacific or St. Mary's steals a bid in the WCC, while well, Gonzaga is still getting in, right. and that's one fewer at-large team. Now, remember, there's an extra at-large berth this year because the Ivy League is not playing. That's right. Yeah, so so that's, that's one more extra. It's a weird year. We could see some weird things with the selection committee. Very strange. This has been the Bearded Carcast. We appreciate you listening on over 300 affiliates throughout the United States. All things considered, coming up next. This is listener-supported Bearded Carcast. If you want to support the show, you can buy the Bearded Carcast tote for $100. We have a full season of the Bearded Carcast on CD and DVD for $250. Bearded Carcast at Outlook.com. Follow along on Bearded Carcast. It is 12 GMT. We thank you for listening across the nation. (laughs) 